All righty. Jeremiah chapter 9. If you have a Bible, it could be turning there. Well, how's everyone doing so far today? What amazing worship we've had. We've had singing in Tagalog and praying in Hebrew and in Italian and French. Where did our French man go? I think we had a visit from Napoleon today. Uh, so uh, uh, Ned throwing down the Italian. Ned is from, uh, has Italian heritage and uh, some, some Zulu and just all different languages. Amen? Isn't that neat? You know, um, an All Nations Sunday, start my timer. You know, All Nations Sunday, today is a celebration of God's vision for there not to be division, hatred, separation between not just nations, but cultures, people groups, right? But to bring all nations together as one people, one kingdom of God, with one King, Jesus Christ, over us, and one Holy Spirit within us. Amen? And because of that oneness of God, we can be one, though we're different. We're different races, we're different ages, we're different demographics, we have different interests, different cultures. We can be one people, amen? And that is a miracle of God. That is, boy, didn't you just feel this kind of overwhelming sense of there's something so much bigger than us happening, right? With all the different languages being spoken, something different. So I would like today, I am going to preach in German today. Actually, I'm not. Just kidding. Um, but wouldn't that be neat? I hate to say this. It's kind of an embarrassing fact, but I have never, ever learned any kind of foreign language. I got into college the year, the, the next year I got into college, they required two years of a foreign language. And so I have only known English. I'm so sorry. So I have to preach in English. But, uh, boy, it, it's, it's rich to different languages and yet challenging. Like, if we didn't have the interpretation, it would just seem foreign to us, right? And language is one of the huge ways that we can connect with people. And yet, when our language is different, we can't understand, we can't communicate. It's very challenging. But there is a universal language of God that has nothing to do with actual words. The universal language which God speaks and one that we can all understand even without words and that is the universal language of kindness. So that's what we're going to talk about today is knowing God's kindness. Mark Twain said kindness is a language which the deaf can hear and the blind can read. Why is kindness a universal language. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, it took, I'm going to take us back. We're in the middle of a sermon series about knowing God, and we're walking through the Old Testament. But our theme verse is this verse in Jeremiah chapter 9, in verse 23 and 24. So for today's sermon, we're going to kind of hit the reset button. We're going to kind of go back to our theme verse and look at something interesting that God says about us. Jeremiah 9, about himself, Jeremiah 9, verse 23 says, This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, 
or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord, who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. The Bible says here that, listen, it's not about how much money we have. It's not about how much wisdom we have. This is where what life really is about. It's about knowing who I am. Knowing God, knowing Yahweh, the great I am. Knowing means, mean, means more than just understanding. It means becoming one with, being intimate with, so intimate that God fills us and that we communicate and exude God to the world around us. In the first word, the first description that he gives of himself, as far as this is what life truly is, is to know me, one who delights in exercising kindness. So why is kindness a universal language that we can all understand? I believe it's because we are all, as humans, created in the image of God. We're created in God's image. So therefore, when God's, God exercises kindness, no matter what language, we understand it. And when we exercise kindness, all nations and all languages can understand. It was great to have Edwin and Nellie and Zion. And though we, we, had, we had never met before, when Carter and I went over there, there was an instant connection because they were so kind. They had us into their home and we ate their food. It didn't, you know, it, it, was, it was delicious. Um, and Carter and Zion, their little girl, just connected so neatly. And it was their kindness that was a language that we could all understand. The word for kindness here is chesed. It's a, it's a combination of mercifulness, goodness, and faithfulness. Many translations uh, translate it into this word loving kindness. And it's a beautiful description of God's character. And it's cool here. He says, I delight to show kindness. I delight. And this word is to desire, to take pleasure in, and to be pleased with. So God in his character desires and enjoys, takes pleasure in showing kindness. I want to look over, we're going to talk a little bit about the character of God revealed in the Old Testament through looking at some verses in Hosea. And then we're going to talk about Jesus and how we see God's kindness in him. And then we're going to look at a video about this kindness being exercised. And then we're going to close with how should we, how should we respond to God's kindness, okay? But in Hosea chapter 11, verse 3, it says, It was I who taught Ephraim to walk. So God is discussing about his people, his family. He says, I, was, I, I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. They did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek. I bent down to feed them. Isn't that an amazing picture? God is saying, the, the nation of Israel, it's like my little child. And I was 
when I, you know, I bent down to bring this little child up to my cheek. Isn't that a beautiful picture of tenderness, of kindness, of love, of goodness? Later on in, in chapter 11, he says, how can I, of course, the little child grew up to do what all little children do, right? They rebel. They go against God's kindness, and they want to go their own way. But, and so then now the father is tortured. He says in verse 8, how can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zebuim? My heart is turned over within me. All my compassions are kindled. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not destroy Ephraim again. For I am God and not man. That says, for I am God and not man. Because that's how man would react. But I'm not like man in this way. I am God and not man. The Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. God knew that what his people had earned, what they deserved, was fierce anger. So the wages of sin is death. The wrath of God is real. God is not kind, so much so that he just turns a blind eye to all the evil and sin in our lives, right, and in the world. Yet God is tortured because he loves and he wants to be so kind, he, and he takes pleasure, delight in exercising kindness. And yet, we as a people have turned away. We've sinned. And so we deserve something different than that. And I think all of us as humans, we get that, right? There's a, there's a conscience about us that when there's an extreme kindness, we know that, you know, this is not what I deserve, right? And so God is tortured. And we, we see him wrestling. He says, my heart is overturned and he's like therefore but since I'm not just going to react to the people in their actions I'm going to be who I am I'm going to be kind and he executes in Jesus a plan of how to combine this justice and wrath with his love and his kindness and that's what we see in Jesus on the cross but I want to talk about this comment for I am God and not man so often our human kindness is such that we treat each other according to who they are and how they will treat us in return. Right? Are, we, are, are you with me there? So we treat, we'll be kind to someone if we're confident that they'll be kind back. But if they're unkind to us, then what are we, how do we want to treat them? And how often, how quickly, you know, if someone cuts you off in traffic... Who, who of us, in their, our initial response is, oh, thank you, bless you. <laughs> that was so kind. A little, a little toot of appreciation. <laughs> toot, toot. <laughs> Hi. And we want to stop the car, right? And we want to get out and say, stop the car and get out and, and uh, um, give them a gift. A hug. Welcome. Come to our church. That's not our tendency. Our tendency is someone cuts, off, cuts us off. We want to speed up. We want to cut them off and maybe communicate some gestures or something, you know, along the way. I don't, maybe that's just me, okay? But we don't do that. 
we're tempted with that. But God's, this is where God differs from us. God doesn't treat us according to how we'll treat Him or according to how we have treated Him. He will treat humans according to not who we are, but according to who He is. And that's super deep and very challenging, and it will radically transform your life and my life if we really let that sink in. If, if you're married, will you treat your spouse according to what they deserve or according to what your values are? If you have children, will you treat them according to what they've earned or what they deserve or will you treat them according to how God treats his children? What is the center of your thoughts, of your emotions, of your actions? Is it the other person or is it God and who he is? Does that make sense? In Jesus, we see the exact representation of God. According to Hebrews, Jesus is the exact representation of God. So we see Jesus live this out. To the leper and the blind and the sick, he didn't just heal them, but he reached out and showed kindness in his touch that healed more than their physical calamity. But to the untouchable, the kind touch you know was healing to their soul. To the woman caught in the act of adultery. Caught in the act of sin. Jesus says, He who is without sin, let him throw the first stone. In other words, the law said that she should be stoned. And Jesus said, And maybe her husband was in that circle. Did we ever think of that? Filled with hurt and anger and feelings of betrayal and being wronged, right? And says, yet he who is without sin, let him throw the first stone. Who was the only one in that circle that was therefore qualified to throw the stone? Jesus was the only one without sin. And so everyone else dropped their stones and walked away. And then in a moment of incredible grace, who is left to condemn you? No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you. The only way he could say that is if he knew there was a plan for someone to receive the condemnation she deserved. And who would that be? He knew it was him. He knew the cross was coming. So in kindness, I don't condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Boy, what kindness. What chesed. What mercy. What faithfulness. What goodness uh, Jesus was to her. You know, the, the widow, to the widow, who had obviously lost her husband, and now she had one son, and now her one and only son had died. And Jesus is coming with his disciples. She's the funeral procession coming out. And the widow is grieving, and there's weeping, and there's wailing. You can just see this interaction. Jesus comes up to her and probably gives her an embrace. And remember what does he say? He says, don't cry. This is someone who's come, don't cry. Don't cry. And gives her back her son. 
to the grieving Mary and Martha at the loss of their brother John the Baptist. He sees Mary weeping, and it says Jesus wept. He grieved with those who were grieving, mourned with those who were mourning. And he said, here's, here's your brother back. And even while being, and say, oh, that's all fine and dandy. Most of us would be moved with compassion in the middle of seeing someone else grieve or in seeing someone's physical needs, very apparent, right? Uh, um, but this is the difference between God and man. Jesus, while being crucified, while on the cross, and most of us, when we get, start to experience some pain, what do we start to do? We start to turn inward. I mean, I get a little uh, uh, headache, right? Are you anyone else? I get a little headache. My, oh, man. And what do I start to do? Oh, where's the couch? <laughs> Someone get me some water, right? Oh, food. Oh, my head hurts. Or I'm tired, right? As soon as we get a little bit of pain, we start to get inward focus. As soon as we get a little bit of emotional pain, we start to get protective. I'm not going to get my heart again. As soon as we start to see some spiritual pain, maybe someone has actually sinned against us. And Peter, when someone sinned against them, felt like he was doing really well spiritually. He says, how? I think I should be forgiving because I'm with Jesus. And so uh, in this great spiritual boasting a little, Jesus, how often should I forgive someone who sins? Up to seven times, like, I'm forgiving. I'm kind. I'll, give, I'll forgive someone sinning against me in the very same day. Have you ever had someone sin against you in the same way, in the same day, seven times? How did you and I do? I didn't do very well. So Peter's doing pretty good. Up to seven times. In the difference between God and man, Jesus is like, mm, so far to go. Not seven times. How about 70 times seven times? Some, trans, some verses say translate seven, 77 times. Probably more the heart is 70 times seven. Peter's like, are you kidding me? No human can do that. And Jesus is like, yep. And so Jesus on the cross, while being nailed to the cross, crowned, mocked, beaten, stripped, does he get inward focused? Absolutely not. Mary, here's your son, John. John, here's your mother. Take care. Both of you whom I'm extremely close to emotionally, my loss is going to be hard for you. Take care of one another. Isn't that incredible? But even more so incredible because he loved John. He loved his mom, right? But how about his enemy? How about the ones actually providing the pain, not the kindness in his life? Father, curse them. Father, make them pay. Repent or perish. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They, they don't get it. They're just doing what they think is their job. They don't know what they're doing. Please, Father, forgive them. 
Are you kidding me? What kindness, a universal language. We see the father's heart in Jesus as he tells the story of the prodigal son. We'll just refer to this, and then we're going to watch a video about kindness and acts of kindness. But we see the youngest son come to the father in the story of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15. The youngest son is entitled and demanding and sinful, and yet the father was kind. And then the youngest son started to reap some of the consequences of his actions. So he was broken, and he was poor and ashamed. And how did the father respond? The father was still kind. And then the oldest son was hurt and bitter, angry, self-righteous, refusing to be kind to the youngest son. And how did the father treat him? He treated him not like he was treating him, but he treated him with kindness. With kindness. He pleaded with him, come, we must celebrate. Your brother was lost and now he's found. So the, the, the heart of God in Jesus. You know, we're going um, to watch a little video here. About, it's a seven-minute video. And, we're, and two men had decided to take $400 into a Kroger. And they decided, we're just going to randomly pay for people's grocery bill. And what I, want, what I want us to watch is listen to the universal language of kindness. Watch what it does to the recipient of this kindness. Watch what it does to their heart. Because today we're giving, hopefully out of the kindness of our heart, we're giving a special missions contribution. And this special mission is going to go for... Uh, our church that we rep, uh, sponsor in, in Malawi, Edwin and Nellie and Zion, to help uh, support their ministry. It's going to go to the church in Duluth, which we help support, and it's going to go to our campus ministry here in Eau Claire. And I want us to be mindful of that to help prepare our hearts to give uh, out of who God is in the kindness of His heart. But listen and watch to what happens to these people's, the recipients' hearts, and then we're going to talk about how to apply this to our own life.
know it shows. Okay. And how you live. Okay. Now, how you ain't got to talk. Ain't got to talk. Oh, this just gave me chills. Oh, Yes, yes. I was done on my
know, a bunch of crybabies. <laughs> wow, what do we see in the hearts? <clears throat> Every heart was softened. Every heart was taken to almost the first words were, oh my God, God is good. Every heart is softened. Every heart drawn to the universal originer of this kind language, and that's God. And then wanting to be kind themselves. Wanting to be kind themselves. Three things we're called to in response to God's kindness. Number one is to be drawn to God. To be drawn to God. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. The kindness that God gives to us ought to draw us to God. Amen? Are we drawn to God? Is our heart drawn? Not because we have to, not because we're guilty, but because of all the kindnesses He has shown us. We're drawn to Him. Secondly, is to be repentant before God. Romans 2 says, verse 4 says, Don't you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. When God is kind to us in these ways, either we show contempt for it, or we are drawn to repentance, or we're led to repentance. So the sins that we commit, the things we're guilty of, to repent of, not because of the terrible consequences only, but because of the incredible author and originator of our human humanity, right? God who created us to not do the things that we're guilty of doing. And then number three, to be kind like God. To be kind like God. Ephesians 4.31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Paul's communicating, whether you call it bitterness I've heard so many people say, well, I'm not bitter. Okay, I don't know what English word you want to label it, but I know it ain't kind. Because kindness is heard by the deaf and seen by the blind. And that language is not heard or seen by either. So bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, whatever form of malice you want to take, get rid of it. There's no place in our hearts. It doesn't just kill everyone else, it kills our selves when we live in this emotional state but be filled be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you to be filled because of the the evil is emptied be filled then with the kindness tenderness and tenderness and forgiveness of God just as in Christ God forgave you in other words God is communicating as I've treated you I expect you to treat others. It was said, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. I was just so moved by the last lady who broke down. That was more than just a grocery bill being paid. We don't even know what was going on in her life, but she referred to it with all the tears she cried that morning. Be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Be kind to yourself. Amen? We're sometimes hardest on ourselves. We're kind to everyone else, but we can't tolerate ourselves or our weaknesses. Listen, if God is kind to you, you don't have a right to be unkind 
to yourself. Your family, your immediate, your extended families, your neighbors, your brothers and sisters, to the poor. Proverbs 19 says, He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Jesus himself says, Whatever you did not do to the stranger, to the prisoner, you did not do to me. It's more than just the poor person. It's God in that poor person and how you're treating them. Our offering today is not to just the various churches we support. It is to God. Amen? Amen. To honor Him. To be kind to a stranger. Jesus says, I was in the story of the uh, Good Samaritan. I was a stranger. You did not invite me in. Actually, it was the sheep and the goats. I apologize. I was a stranger. You did not invite me in. Are we inviting in strangers? How much even in fellowship are we talking to people that we don't know very well? Or do we just sit with our own kind? You know, to the sinners, Galatians 6.1 says, to you who are spiritual should restore him with a spirit of gentleness. Those who are sinful, those who have struggled with sin, we should restore, yes, to righteousness, but with a spirit of gentleness. And lastly, our enemies our enemies. Romans 12.10 says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How does God overcome the evil in the world? By sending his one and only son, full of his kindness, to speak the language that every human can receive. We're going to go ahead and take communion now.